Hi, I'm Carrie, Stroke Survivor and Bind member. And I'm Kezia, a Stroke Survivor as well and a member of Bind. And today we are so excited to be welcoming Dr. Katrina Belen, who's a licensed psychologist and is specialized in neuropsychology and so important as a, one of very few Spanish speakers in the state of Texas. Um, not only does she do that, but she also has a great green thumb and the mommy of Tolly, who is one of the besties of Bind members. Yes. <laughs> so welcome so much. We're so happy to have you here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Welcome. Okay. Welcome to Bind Waves, the official podcast of the Brain Injury Network of Dallas. I'm Brian White, Bind's Executive Director. On each episode, we'll be providing insight into the brain injury community. We'll be talking to members and professionals regarding their stories and the important role of Binds Clubhouse. We work as a team to inspire hope, community, and a sense of purpose to survivors, caregivers, and the public. Thank you for tuning in to Bind Waves. Let's get on with the show. Okay. Great. Thank you so much for being here. Um, so just as a little update and like a little welcome. So can you tell us a little bit about you and what you do and how you're so connected to Bind? Well, I'm, a, like you said, I'm a neuropsychologist, um, and I don't remember, oh, Jim connected me with Bind years and years ago. He came to one of my support groups, and it was just when Bind was starting off, and he told me all about it, and the energy was so amazing, I had to check it out. So I started sending people to Bind and recommending people volunteer, and I thought I should probably follow my own advice. <laughs> so I tried to weasel, weasel myself in and, and got to work with some Spanish speakers here at Bind, and um, office mo opened up down the way, so I, I moved into there, and now I get to be right next to Bind, and so we have a pretty close relationship these days. Yeah, and bring little Tully over to get to see her. So yeah. Bring little puppy said. over yeah. for a little love. All the puppy lovers <laughs> here at Bind. So I guess the big question also, just to start off with, is what is a neuropsychologist? I mean, for a lot of our listeners, maybe they don't know. Even as brain injuries, we know we've talked to you all, but do we really know? Yeah, and a lot of people get it confused with things like psychiatry or, or yeah, and neurology. And um, a neuropsychologist is a, a clinical psychologist, which is not a psychiatrist in the, in the sense that we don't provide medication, we don't prescribe medications is the big difference there. Um, but neuropsychology is a subspecialty of, of, of psychology. Um, and we study more of the brain and brain behavior relationships. So our, our training is more related to, you know, understanding traumatic brain injury and stroke and multiple sclerosis, all of those uh, kind of disorders that can affect the way the brain functions and then trying to help people through those moments mm -hmm. and, and uh, you know, figure out what we can do to make things better, hopefully. Um, we also do a lot of dementia evals and kind of helping people mm. plan for, for the future as related to, to that. And, and again, trying to just make it the best we can for people. Right. I know that, again, all of our members and subscribers really are wondering and trying to figure out what it all is. And one of their questions was actually like, how long did it take you to do this work? Like, what kind of like education did it take and what kind of training did it take because it just seems so like it's like a lot of work for for us as like <laughs> carrie said our brain injury the survivors to even understand yeah it takes a while so it's i have a doctoral degree in psycho in psychology first um and and that's 
generally you have your bachelor's degree, right? And then you get a master's, which is two years of more education, and then you'll get the, the doctoral degree. So in total, it's five to six years on top of that bachelor's degree oh, okay um, and that's just the educational classroom kind of aspect of it um, we do some internship training during that time but then we have to do a one-year internship after we finish all of our mm-hmm. classwork essentially um, and then after that we have a two-year postdoctoral residency so it's three years of supervised training um, until you get get your actual license. Well, you can have your license after the first year, but to be a neuropsychologist, you really need the two years of postdoctoral specialized training. So for me, I got to do my training at Jackson Memorial Hospital in Miami, and uh, we worked with neuro rehab and spinal cord rehab, and we worked in the uh, acute stroke units and the, and the trauma center and things like that. Um, and learned all about everything that could possibly <laughs> happen to one's brain. <laughs> There's a lot. So I know, and you kind of mentioned on it. I guess I was one of our questions. One of the members had. They were like, "Are there additional fields or areas of specialty under neuropsychology?" There actually are. (laughs) (laughs) It seems like that should be enough stopping at neuropsychology. But neuropsychologists, some only do research or or primarily do research. Some uh, are more clinically based, like myself. I I prefer to work more with people and and Mm face-to-face, kind of helping people. Um, Some people take more of the assessment aspect, doing evaluations, and others do more of, you know, psychotherapy and rehab Mm -hmm. um, treatment aspects. Um, and then what else? There was one more I'm, I'm blanking on, but yeah, there's lots of subspecialties (laughs) (laughs) essentially of the forensic realm too. So some neuropsychologists will just work in the legal realm in terms of, um, help documenting brain injuries for, for civil cases or even for criminal cases, Mm -hmm. documenting if somebody has a brain injury or, or some, you know, neurological impairment that might explain why they did what they did. Yeah. Interesting. And right now, I think what you were just saying, like, connects to a lot of wondering what all everything kind of, what all of this is, right? So a lot of people um, kind of consider like neuropsychology, like, oh, I have my counselor or my therapist, and don't really understand like, what, where does that fit in? Like, where does the neuropsychologist fit into this idea after going through recovery? Um, so it's like a lot of questions, actually. I was yeah. like pretty surprised as to like what were people wondering. So what is the difference between the three different careers that are there after recovery or during recovery? Yeah, of like psychology and therapists and counselors and your career. Like it's yeah. a lot of things that we get. Yeah. Neuroscience, yeah. Generally, when you're getting counseling, it, 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 it can be provided by a master's level clinician. And, and oftentimes, they're the better counselors. You know, neuropsychologists often are, we are focused on the assessment mm-hmm. and numbers and documenting. And we write these big, long reports. Um, not to say many neuropsychologists are also very good you know, psychotherapists, clinicians. Um, but a lot of times, master's level counselors have really great training also in being able to provide therapy and, and kind of help with, 
establishing like cognitive rehab strategies, right? So sometimes that counselor works with you independently to find out, you know, what's really going on and what strategies might actually work for you or what right. haven't, haven't you thought of yet? Or how can we, you know, find the motivation to go ask somebody or get over the embarrassment of having to do this? Um, yeah. So yeah, counseling is a really important aspect of, of recovery. I think just for everybody, if they have the opportunity to have that you know, again, specialized help, right? You get right. that extra person that's on your side, exactly. a set of eyes to, to help you out that's objective. It's not your family telling you. Um, yeah. It's hard to hear it from your family all the time, but, you know, yeah. an objective person says it, yeah, maybe it's something to consider, <laughs> right? right? That third party. Um, yeah, so I think it's really helpful to have that yeah. in general, whether you have a brain injury or not. Exactly. We all need that at some point or yeah. can benefit from it. Um as far as neuropsychology, again, some neuropsychologists are great clinicians and, and wonderful psychotherapists. Um, it just depends on kind of where their energy is and where their focus and training is. Um, generally, in, in, in larger facili facilities, you know, neuropsychology will focus more on assessment or, or guiding and working with the team. So um, when I worked with Rehab Without Walls, for example, one of the things we did was, was kind of work with the entire team and the family and the clients to kind of put it all together, essentially. So I, I always felt like we were kind of the glue helping, you know, OT and PT understand, well, why, you know, why isn't this person doing what we're asking them to do? Um, there's a lot of reasons it's not working and, and it's, it's complex for everybody. Right. You know, anything can be going on. Um, and sometimes it's hard to understand that, you know, maybe it's not that somebody isn't motivated, but they don't. Their brain just doesn't start. Uh, and right. so we kind of help the team understand, like, okay, this is more of an initiation problem. So what kinds of things can we do to, to help that and not just blame the person for having bad motivation or yeah. Right. Yeah, things like that. Or um, just not paying attention, maybe. Right. Yeah. Or sometimes, you know, the team or the family might say, oh, they're so depressed. They seem so depressed. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that might look depressed. But sometimes after a brain injury, our face just doesn't make the same, you know, emotions it used to. It mm -hmm, doesn't yeah. do it as much. Or sometimes the emotions on our face don't match what's inside. And so it, it, it takes time to tease that apart and kind of help everybody understand, you know, maybe this person isn't depressed. Right. Maybe they are. Um, but, yeah, sometimes it's really hard to gauge our own, right. you know, how we're doing from the outside in. Well, and I guess that kind of leads me to my next question is, so does everyone that had a brain injury need neuropsych testing? When do you decide that? You need the neuropsychologist. When does that happen? Is it immediate, like everyone's going to see one? Or someone says, I think this person needs to see that. How does that happen? Does that make sense? Yes. Kind of. Uh, you know, from my perspective, obviously, I'm a neuropsychologist. I'm going to promote our services. Um, but I think, I think genuinely everybody who's had any kind of neurological injury would benefit from having a, a neuropsych eval because... You know, a lot of times we just don't understand the full extent of what happened and, and how it might be impacting us. And when we can tease it apart and make it a little easier to chew, kind of, right? Mm -hmm. So sometimes we go to rehab and we're just, we're working on everything. Right. But when we can really say, okay, well, this is the thing I need to fine tune. I keep running into that. Um, <laughs> but, you know, like if we just need to work on this one little thing, maybe maybe there's a lot of really great abilities and skills that are still good, right? Have, haven't changed your brain. You have a brain injury. It's just one part of your brain. It's not your whole mm -hmm. brain. And so being able to say, you know, 
these things are all really good still. Like I'm still in the high average range on this, 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 and this. It's just this area that I can really focus on now. Or how can I use these really great skills that I still have to overcome or to compensate for this one little area that is affected? Um, And and yeah, I think after an injury, it's hard to know what's the the specific area and how can we hone in on that. it's complex. The brain does a whole lot of things. And, <laughs> yeah. and you know, one one part of the chain is, is broken and it feels like everything's broken, right. right? So, for example, if you're not paying attention, sometimes it feels like you have really bad memory. But no, it's, it's, it's your attention. And bad attention means probably bad memory is not going to be so great. But we can recover that if we can improve attention. Right? Yeah. Or maybe memory is sure. actually really bad. Well, then we need different kind of strategies. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But it's yeah. important to know why is memory bad and, and that guides our strategies better. Um, the other thing is being able to track over time. So sometimes we get frustrated and feel like we're not moving forward and not making progress. It feels slow. And sometimes it's helpful to look at that number and say, oh, my gosh, that number is actually boosted up quite a bit. Like, I'm actually a lot better than I was (laughs) last year. It doesn't feel like it day to day, but being able to have that evidence and to see that and say, oh, okay, actually, this is getting better. Um, And -hmm. alternatively, you know, if things are getting worse and you're not sure, you know, a lot of times women going through menopause, right? We're like, oh, no, I have dementia. (laughs) But it's (laughs) not that. (laughs) But we can look at that and say, no, actually, you don't have dementia, right? No, things aren't getting worse for you. It's just maybe it's another factor contributing. Actually, you're having a little more depression or more anxiety or, um, you know, we can, again, tease that apart. And it's kind of reassuring to know, okay, maybe I'm not getting worse. Maybe I am the same. Yeah, and I think everything that you've been saying right now, like you explaining yourself as like the glue and like putting everything together and being able to explain like, okay, this is the key spot that we can do to improve. That totally makes sense. I think like for all the listeners to continue listening to this and pressing a like and following us because these are really good, important information that we can hear on the podcast. So follow us every Thursday. A new episode gets updated and you can hear, continue hearing from all of our our guests and today is a great guest Mm -hmm. um so what you were just saying totally like reminds me of when i was in um in recovery and like when i was an inpatient because the neurologist a neuropsychologist was actually the person that helped my friends my family and me and i didn't realize that they worked with my physical therapist my occupational therapist and everyone and kind of like you said glued it all together Mm -hmm. for my, and I, I think I'm so thankful for that one person. I wish I knew his name. But it was, it helped my friends and my parents to know that they had to give me patience. That the issue wasn't that I wasn't going to walk anymore. It wasn't that I wasn't going to be able to talk anymore. It was more like, you need to give her time to figure it out. Like, mm-hmm. she'll do it. She'll be fine. But she needs the time. You cannot give her the word. Like, you have right. to give her time. And I think that was so helpful and um, and so key. Like you said, it's a key solution. Like not a perfect right. solution, but a solution yeah. that can be served by others. Right. Right. Yeah. And families don't know, right? It's like how many people go through brain injury. It's 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 a not common enough yeah. that you know right. we can ask our neighbor or you yeah. know our, our, we've been through it before. It's it's yeah. something new to everybody most often, and it's yeah. it's confusing. There's a lot going on. It, yeah. And it was Scary. very confusing. When I took the test, it was 
the worst I think like three days of my life (laughs) even till this day a little traumatic but for me to explain it to other people was really hard so can you explain to us like what is a testing you know I think we've talked about it over and over again but what is a testing what was those three days of my terrible life like yeah neuropsych testing sounds pretty awful oftentimes they say it's the horrible four to six hour test yeah Um, we try and make it not that horrible (laughs) you know it some people actually do leave and say that was actually kind of fun I felt like I was kind of back in school a little. Yeah, I don't um, remember ha- hating it. Yeah. I don't really remember it either. So obviously, yeah. I didn't hate it. If yeah. I don't really remember it, right? <laughs> not that relevant, right? Not that, <laughs> not that difficult. Um, but yeah, basically, with the testing, what we're trying to do is it's more of a functional MRI of your brain. So we're looking at what your brain actually does as opposed to what it looks like. So sometimes brains look one way, but they act a whole different way. Some people are, you know, have since they're born, they have different brains and they develop just the same as everybody else, right? right? And so an MRI wouldn't contribute much to, to understanding how their brain is working. Um, and so what we do is, is use a series of tests to understand from step one to step 20 uh, what your brain is doing. So we look at your perception in terms of are you seeing things accurately? Are you hearing things accurately? And then are you able to pay attention to things for if visually or, or things that you hear or things you touch? Are you, are you uh, processing it correctly? Mm-hmm. Are you processing it quickly or are you processing it slowly? And then, you know, do you get it into your memory? Once it's in your memory, does it stay there or does it kind of rot away, right? <laughs> sometimes this yeah. memory just doesn't stick. Right. Um, but sometimes it's in there and we just can't get it out of our head. And so our testing also looks at, can we help you get the memory out of your head? Is the memory in there? but you can't access it. And so we have different tests to help us kind of find out which ways might be more helpful to access the memory, right? So sometimes we might not remember it, but if somebody says, well, was it this or was it this? Oh, it was that. It's so easy to remember. But when we have to, you know, say the word, maybe we we can't convey our memory by using words or, or specific words even yeah. um, or vice versa it might be a visual issue so we look at you know auditory memory visual memory um, all the aspects of, of memory and, and retrieval of information and then we look at the most complex things our brain does like planning and organization and shifting from one task to another right sometimes we can do one task really well right. but if something interrupts us or we get thrown off we can't come back to it so easily um so kind of that ability to multitask or sure. alternate between different things um impulse control we look at all of that um, we also look at motor abilities we have little tasks that you have to you know put pins into holes and all that kind of stuff and then we have all of our mood measures. So mm-hmm. we also are looking at, are you depressed? Are you anxious? Or, you know, how much so? And, and, and yeah, what's relevant there um, in terms of, uh, yeah, helping your, your brain operate at its maximal level. Right? Sure. And it, it sounds like it's not like a one time and done kind of thing. It's, I mean, it seems like you wouldn't want to test immediately because your brain has to get a little bit of recovery before you can figure out what's going on. Yes. But then it sounds like to retesting later after maybe a year or two years, 
is a good idea? It depends on what your what your goals are, right? So a lot of times in rehab, they do just short tests just to make sure you're, you're moving forward, not moving backwards, mm-hmm. that things are working. Um, and, and then as we continue to get better, right, if you're, if you're looking at going back to school, well, then testing would be really important because maybe you need some accommodations or maybe you could get some extra help through the disability services. Yeah. So neuropsych testing can help document what kinds of accommodations would be helpful. Do you need more time? Do you need a note you know, all of these things that, that really legally you have a right to in order mm-hmm. to be successful in school or even going back to work. We can help uh, inform decisions about going back to driving. Right, we don't do driving tests, but, you know, we can say, yeah, they can pay attention really well. Their visual systems seem to be working. They're not having issues with problem solving or attention. And so it looks like maybe a good candidate for going back to driving. And then, you know, we'll recommend maybe a, a return to driving evaluation. Um, but generally, the testing is really helpful if you're, if you're transitioning into something new and, mm-hmm. and want to make sure you're ready for that or... Um, yeah, again, want to try and document and, and get some kind of accommodations. Yeah, and I think that like everything that you've talked about right now is kind of like a lot of the things that people are wondering, like, how does this happen? And where do you when do you do it? And then how is it measured? And like, how do you know you're getting better? And I think that you talked about it a lot, like, you know, you can get another testing and then mm-hmm. see it, what your next goals can be. And if you can reach them and like, you know, what are the next steps for you? So I think that was awesome yeah. um, to kind of learn about it. I think like a lot of a lot of things that we all we are also wondering. And of course I am because I love like numbers and knowing like <laughs> how mm-hmm. is it going and stuff like throughout like all of your experience and within your career. Um, do you have like amazing brain injury survivors and your story of success and how seeing them from one point to the other? And I know that oh, I think we had talked about it before how like normally neuropsychologists don't get that experience of seeing the before and after completely. But yeah. I know that you have, you've been having that, yeah, great people. That's, that's the super fun part about being a part of BIND is that I get to keep seeing people when they're not in the hospital and not in crises and not, you know, mm-hmm. that first month into injury, it is really traumatic for everybody. Mm-hmm. Right. So that first, you know, month, six months, first year even is it's, it's a lot. Um, and, and it's scary and, and things change quickly. Uh, yeah. So it is super cool to see people here at Bind, you know, <laughs> five years, 10 years later and getting to see how amazing the brain is because the brain always gets better, right? The brain knows how to heal. And as long as you keep Working being around in. people and keep doing things and keep active and, you know, have, have that way of, of continuing to use your brain, it gets better, and it's it's just amazing to get to see what people do with their new brains, right? Because it's yeah. really just a new brain, and I love seeing, you know, like Jim, you know, mm-hmm. fostering kids and how he just yeah. came to love his new life. It, it is so, yeah, it's such a blessing to yeah, get to be a part amazing. of all of that. Yeah, it is. The more you work it, the better it gets. So. It is, yeah. And I think that's true for everyone, whether you're had a brain injury or not. Absolutely. You need to work your brain, keep working your brain. It's absolutely it keeps us going yeah Yeah, it does and i think also what you had just mentioned can be clicked really really well with like the community and the purpose of like how bind is and how we work together and we help each other out and that's like just like a big example of how creating a community and importance of one another really helps yeah 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 it's really important i i see you know it's it seems like the people who are who are going to bind and, and a part of this community, mm-hmm. yeah, again, it, they just shine. 
Um, and, and well, you know, it's you. unfortunate we can't have vines everywhere, right? There's so many rural places we don't get to access. But, yeah. you know, there is a big difference. You see people that don't have a bind and who are at home and, and you know, family leaves all day to go to work. And what do you do? Uh, so they have to work a whole lot harder to find yeah. something to keep themselves busy all day. That's and, true. you know, accessing Zoom, it, again, it's just a lot more effort to keep your brain active and, and keeping people, right? You, mm-hmm. need, you need that community also. Um, so bind yeah really is I think a good good yeah. resource for being able to do that yeah for sure and I know we asked a lot of questions about like what this whole thing is <laughs> I get it but do you have like a specific tip or just information that you want to make sure that all of our followers receive that information and get it like it could be anything Oh my goodness, I was Mm. not prepared for that question. (laughs) (laughs) I think the biggest tip I can give is like, know that your brain is a muscle and as long as you work it out, it will work for you, right? Like your brain is not stuck and it's not, even if you have a brain injury, like I said, it's just a part of your brain. There's still a lot of your brain that's working. So use that part of your brain and and continue to exercise your brain because it will continue to get better. It will continue to work for you as long as you exercise it, right? Yeah. If we sit on the sofa and eat right. brownies all day, our belly's going to get big. Well, our brain will get small. The <laughs> <laughs> brain will get small. Right. And none of us want that. And, no. you know, that applies to everybody. You know, we've even seen studies that people who are bilingual, they can postpone the symptoms of, of diseases like Alzheimer's dementia by five years just oh, wow. because they've built so much additional muscle in their brain that they can sacrifice more. That's very There's cool. more to lose before you notice it. So same thing with brain injury. You just want to have so much brain there that you won't notice it if you lose a little. <laughs> right. Right? But that applies to all of us. I think yes. all of us can do that. Oh, thanks. I love yeah. it. Yeah. I loved it. The brain is a muscle. Keep working out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> don't simple. stop. Keep working out. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much oh, yes. for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. It's kind of a scary topic, but I think you... Make it make sense, which is good. That was the point. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. For sure. And we really hope to see you again to learn even more because I know this is like you had a long, long process to become a neurosurgeon. So then you got it. But thank you for joining us, Dr. Belen. And thank to all of the listeners that are sticking to us every Thursday. And if you have more information and you would like to learn more from other, other professionals, other stories, Make sure to contact us at our email, um, which is bindwaves at thebind.org. And before you go, don't forget to hit that like button, share button, notify if you're on YouTube, and go ahead and share with all your friends and tell us, tell everyone about Bind and all the great information you can learn from us. Keep coming back. We'll see you next time on Bind Waves. Until next time. We hope you've enjoyed listening to Bind Waves and continue to support Bind and our nonprofit mission. We support brain injury survivors as they reconnect into the life the community, and their workplace. And we couldn't do that without great listeners like you. We appreciate each and every one of you. Continue watching. Until next time. Until next time.